Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Bears-Cowboys postgame show as we live to fight another day as the Chicago Bears beat the Dallas Cowboys 31-24 to in a game that was nearly not as close as that final score indicates, but the Bears improved to 7-6, and and like I said, playoff odds, they slightly increased. I think it goes up to like technically like 3 or 4%, maybe 5% if we're feeling lucky about ourselves, but still, the Bears took care of business in primetime against the Cowboys in a game that they needed to win in order to keep those playoff hopes alive. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mick, Nick, blah, 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 Mr. Nicholas Moriano. As you can tell, I am all jacked up, and I can't get my words in order. And Nick, I know you just had a birthday yesterday. The Bears are now 1-0 with you at the ripe age of 25. Feeling pretty good? I am feeling pretty good, Will. It's always nice to see a Bears victory. Uh, now 25 years old, so it's uh, it's been a really good week for me, and I'm just glad that our Bears came out and just really smacked Dallas in the face and like you said that score does not indicate what this game actually was because the Bears they pretty much dominated they absolutely did not from start to finish it didn't start off all right and we'll talk about all the little circumstances throughout this show but let's go ahead and officially begin and enter the first quarter of this postgame show and let's start with my monster moment of the game and Nick my monster moment is going to be Mitch's 23 yard scamper off that zone read that rushing touchdown of his his fourth touchdown of the night and that was right after Dallas kind of brought that game within 10 in the fourth quarter it was early enough in the fourth quarter where they could have made a run at this thing and the Bears needed an answer and that was a fantastic way to get the job done really put that game away you see Mitch taking that zone read running with purpose running with passion he's zigging he's zagging making guys miss I called him out a little bit last week saying that Mitch looked a little shy when he was running with the football not the case tonight not the case Mitch definitely had some confidence uh, with his legs a big reason why the Bears were so successful but for my monster moment of the game it's going to be that 23-yard touchdown run, which to me solidified this entire ball game for the Bears. So that's the reason why it's going to be my monster moment of the game and a big moment by Mitch, too. You can tell he's just having so much fun, very proud of himself, and just a moment that he uh, definitely is going to take home. But, Nick, over to you for your Moriano Minute. Yeah, so I'm going to really focus this on what happened after Mitch Trubisky threw that interception on that first drive. It was an eight-play drive that and a you know inexcusable, really, interception by Mitch. He follows that up with a six-play, 51-yard drive, ends in a touchdown. The next drive is a field goal. Then the next drive after that, a 14-play, 68-yard drive, ends in another touchdown. And that continued even after halftime with another touchdown drive. So we saw this from Mitch Trubisky last week in Thanksgiving, how he's able to respond after having a, you know, a miscue, a bad play, an interception. He did the exact same thing. And yes, you don't want to see the mistake happen, but it's how he responds. And that, I think, for a guy that's been struggling all season, that's that's key, Will. When Mitch Trubisky plays like he did, even the Bears with their defense not as strong as it was last year, they are a tough team to beat. So that's where I wanted to focus it. Mitch Trubisky really battling through adversity early on and just putting together a fantastic game. 
Absolutely. What a game it was. And we'll hand out MVBs here soon. I have a hunch we're both going to number 10, but we'll make it official in just a little bit. But Nick, real quick, back over to you. In a game like today where I feel I'm elated, this is the best I felt in a postgame show probably all season long. It's hard to really, there were some mistakes, there were some moments that we would like to take back. But in a game like this, it's really hard to really gripe on them too much. But real quickly, what's going to be your midway mulligan? I'm going to go to that interception because when you look at where the Bears were at and what they were doing on that drive, they were just moving the ball effortlessly. And Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Mitch, I don't, again, I probably have to see the All-22 to see what he was looking looking at, but Anthony Miller seems like he's in the back right corner of the end zone, and I don't know what, what ends up happening there, but you left, you took away points off the board, maybe points with Eddie Pinheiro, you just never know, but they were in, you know, a good position there, you just don't want to see a throw like that being made so I think when you look at it offensively that was the one misfire that Trubisky had there are a couple of risky throws mind you throughout the game but that's one where you just kind of shake your head what is Mitch looking at what is he doing but look I'm nitpicking because after that he was pretty damn good yeah and I mean that's why it's like you know you want to take it back but if that's what fueled his fire and really got him to focus and hone in, I'm fi- I'm not that I'm fine with an interception, but it's a game in which you live with it, and he got better from it. So I understand your point too as well. And I don't know, was he going to Miller deep? Was he sailing the ball to whims underneath? We don't know. We'll see. I don't even think the all twenty two would help you there. It's just one of those passes. But for me, jumping in stat of the game, and I'm going to give you two. It's going to be the third downs on both sides of the ball because Nick just two days ago. Uh, we're a little worried on both ends here because Dallas has the best or had the best third down offense and had the third best third down defense. So the Bears on offense finished the game 7 of 12 on third down. It really should have been 8 of 12. Uh, Anthony Miller dropping that one near the end here this game. But again, the Bears offense, fourth worst in the NFL and converting on third down. This is two weeks in a row where they're over 50%. I think they're starting to figure this thing out in this uh, here late in the season, and it's exciting. They're getting themselves in third and manageable. But there are also some very big third down plays today in third and long situations, and we'll talk about them as we get into this Bears offense later on. But just the overall stat, 7-12 on third down is key. And then flip it over to the defense for the game. Again, Dallas entered converting on about 50% on the season finished 6 of 15. Two of those came in garbage time. Really, there are 4 of 13 with about 8 minutes left in this game. And remember, 4 of those third down conversions came on that very first drive that Dallas had. And after that drive, it took them until midway through the fourth quarter when the Bears went to prevent mode to start getting third down conversions yet again. A testament to Chuck Pagano, a testament to this Bears defense, because you mentioned it, all these injuries are mounting up on that side of the ball, but they still played with passion, fire, and really high efficiency in order to get that job done. So the Bears on offense and defense, taking care of business on third down to me is a big reason why we're on the positive side of this final score. With that, let's go ahead and go into the MVB section. And Nick, I think it has to go to number 10, right? It absolutely does, because prior to this game, Will, we everybody knew that Mitch Trubisky under the lights in prime time, you know, his stats and his game didn't really reflect, I think, the quarterback that he truly is. He played he didn't play well in prime time games, but he really changed that tonight. Will, just with some of the throws he was able to make using his legs, I think, unlocks a whole new element to this pair's offense. It really puts the strain on the uh, an opposing defense and how they got to play number 10 because look when he's making the throws on top of also gaining yards with his legs he is a tough guy to guard and I'm saying that realistically this is not um this is a tough quarterback to you know play defensively if he has all that going for him so defenses just have to think second guess do I come up and make the play or on that last the last one of the bigger plays that maybe we won't even talk about was that completion of Jesper Horstead that kept the drive alive at the end mm-hmm. of the game Mitch Trubisky looks like he's going to run but that sucks up the defender and it just dumps off to a Jesper Horstead who has nobody around him 
that is the element that Mitch Trubisky can add if he can continue to just run the ball a few times a game because you have to respect that as a defense. But absolutely, the MVP is Mitch Trubisky. Oh, that was a huge play. Third and nine, an opportunity to continue to maintain possession, keep the ball away from Dallas in a game that was technically within striking distance at the time. But that was a big play where the Bears technically could have just ran it, forced Dallas to call their final timeout and punt it. And granted, we punted soon thereafter. Thanks to Anthony Miller with the drop. But that play right there, good call by Matt Nagy, a great execution by Mitch. And like you said, him proving to the defense that they needed to respect his legs sucked him up in that regard, and it just shows the impact it can have. But Mitch finished the day 23 of 31, 244 yards, everything about eight yards per throw, three touchdowns with that one interception. He was sacked twice with a quarterback passer rating of 115. Point five tonight, which against this Dallas defense that has been really good against opposing quarterbacks all season long, these are definitely stats that I'm excited for, and it's more than just the stats. I mean, he was really the heartbeat of this offense tonight, and on top of that, I don't know if you saw this, Nick, but he is the first quarterback in Bears history with at least 200 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 50 rushing yards, and one rushing touchdown in a single game. First Bears quarterback ever to do that in a single performance. Way to go, Mitch Trubisky, because at one point this season, we were, I mean, we're all like losing a little bit of faith, wondering what's going to happen if him, if the Bears are going to be looking at other options. The past few weeks, I mean, I still think you bring in competition, you know, iron sharpens iron, but he's proving that he can be a very good quarterback in this league if given the proper, you know, scheme, the proper blocking, the offense clicking. I think he can be a very good quarterback in this league. And he's really, with his back against the wall just a few weeks ago, how he's been able to respond to me has been, it's been a blessing. It's been amazing to watch kind of unfold over the last month. All right, Nick, before we enter the second quarter of the show, we do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like taking websites and make getting to the event difficult on purpose? So what if their site's annoying and it doesn't have the events you want, like hello status quo? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, simply put, it's a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and finally, SeatGeek displays them all on an interactive seat map. We have here at the Chicago Audible, all of us have the SeatGeek app on our phones and our devices, by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. In fact, our William Ingalls, who hosts our five matchups of the week podcast, just bought some tickets to the Bears-Chiefs game, a game that we're all going to. We're getting real excited here now down the stretch. And he uh, he actually messaged me, he's like, you know, Will, SeatGeek is a great way to buy tickets. You know, within a few taps, he was instantly able to find some seats. And guess what else he did? He used our promo code, and you can too. And this promo code gets you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and that promo code is BEARS. And again, if you enter that promo code BEARS, you can get $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. B-E-A-R-S, BEARS. Use it. $10 off your first purchase over on SeatGeek.com and on the SeatGeek app. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Chicago Audible. I'm Real Soldewit. I'm sitting here with Nicholas Moriano. It's time to kick off our second quarter and dissect that Bears offense. And Nick, for the vast majority of this game, this Bears offense was able to move the football. We didn't see Pat O'Donnell until midway through the third quarter, and I believe seven or eight of the Bears' drives tonight ended up moving into Dallas territory, which for a Bears offense that struggled to move the ball, struggled with three and outs all year, this was such an amazing sight to see why were the Bears able to run the, well, run the ball effectively, hell yeah, but more importantly, move this ball as consistently as they did all game long. You know what? I think this was the easily the best game that Matt Nagy has called as an offensive coordinator this season for the 2019 season. Because, I mean, everything that you needed to have happen with the quarterback playing right, the running backs getting, you know, finding the right lanes. The offensive line was shaky at times. But we also saw something and, you know, perfect timing because I just released an article about the tight ends. J.P. Holtz, if you look at the stat sheet, I wouldn't have thought that. He led all receivers for the Bears in yards. Three receptions, 56 yards. That has been an element of the Bears offense that has been completely absent up to this point in the 2019 season. Having the tight ends actually be make an impact. And look, it's only three receptions and you know a ton of yards for it. Matt Nagy's offense really does revolve on having some tight ends that can, you know, at least 
challenge a defense. Not that J.P. Holtz is a world-beater tight end, but at least having the threat of a guy that can do something can make a defense play honest. But Matt Nagy really just called a really great game. Uh, what he had 34, the team had 34 rushing attempts. The there were 31 passing attempts, pretty balanced there. And then you just had receivers making plays and getting yak. So I think when you put all that together, that's why the Bears were able to score 31 points. And that again, that's having a two turnovers on offense, the interception and the fumble, able to battle through adversity and just put up points and move the ball effectively. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like this is a game where Matt Nagy, I think the last two weeks, he's really kind of came into his own element, something that we've been missing all season long. He's getting into a good groove here, understanding his personnel and finding ways to utilize them to the best of the Bears' advantage. And, you know, against Detroit, we had to take it, I don't know, with those grains of salt that we talk about on the podcast, but against Dallas and that defense, a top 10 defense in the NFL, this is a great benchmark to show what this Bears offense can be if they play to their potential. And Matt Nagy plays and calls the plays like he did tonight. I really loved how they're attacking the perimeter. It wasn't always downfield shot. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Tonight, they were using the numbers game. They were having it where if they believed in the numbers, they were throwing the screen passes. You talked about J.P. Holtz. I love the call, the tight end screen early on in this game. I haven't seen that all season long, and I don't think Dallas expected it. I didn't expect it. I thought Mitch was going to get sacked. I was like, this play got blown up. And then there's J.P. Holtz sitting in the wings to take this catch and run for it for like over 30 yards on that play. And the screens for the most of this game was working. The Cordero Patterson, big pickup on third down was off his screen. Uh, Anthony Miller's touchdown came off of the screen. The blocking downfield was tremendous tonight. It was uh, very effective, and that's been something I've been very uh, critical about, that the Bears have not had the blocking to allow these screens to happen. That didn't wasn't really the case tonight. So for me, execution on top of play, play calling in general is going to be, at least for me, why the Bears were able to be so successful, which I think that happens in any offense, right? Oh, why were they so damn good? Well, they called good plays and were able to execute. Okay. You know what? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, I'm going to add one more thing, too. Sure. And Matt Nagy has done a great job of this the past really two weeks. Um, and I thought this would be Jordan Lewis. He ironically got the interception on Mitch. I'm like, wow, this is going to come back to bite me because I was talking <laughs> that matchup all in the preview. But he mm-hmm. did target a player on the Cowboys' defense, and that was Jalen Smith. There was a bunch of routes, regardless if it was Anthony Miller going towards the middle, Allen Robinson catching a touchdown in you know in the middle with Jalen Smith in coverage. That's who Nagy wanted to test on the Cowboys' defense in coverage. And more times than not, the Bears were able to win that matchup. He did that last week again against Detroit with Coleman in coverage, with Miller being the recipient. He did that the week before that with the Giants cornerback. His name is escaping me. But Matt Nagy is finding a one weakness, just one weakness on this on the opposing defense, and he is consistently going at that. I love that about Matt Nagy. That's why we brought him in, an aggressive-minded coach who's not afraid to take those risks. And we're seeing it kind of come to fruition now over the past couple of weeks. And look who's playing better. Your quarterback, who's been struggling all year, is now suddenly putting a bunch of consistently good games together. That's what I love about Matt Nagy's play calling as of late. And hopefully that continues down, you know, just having three games left in this season. Yeah, I mean, really, number one, real quick before I get into that, uh, who called, let's go after the linebackers in this game in coverage? this guy. Uh, on top of that, though, you're right. Uh, I love how Nagy is finding the weakness, and he is forcing defenses to prove that that is not a weakness. Like, they, you better stop it, or else we're going to keep going for it. I'm going to dial up different plays, different looks, put different players over there in that area of the field. But if you don't stop it, we're not going to quit on it. Where He's not overcomplicating it. He's. I think he listened. I think he heard the KISS formula. He's keeping it simple. 
And it's not stupid. It's awesome. But <laughs> this is great to see and a really good point there, Nick. Uh, so I want to talk about something else the Bears were able to do uh, on top of executing, and that was stacking together back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back scoring drives really when they needed to get it done because, again, the Bears went down early, 7-0. They throw the interception. Defense responds with forcing that punt. And then the Bears respond with that. Touchdown, field goal, touchdown. Oh, did I say three? I meant four because in the second half, they got the ball back to start touchdown four straight scoring drives which really flipped the entire momentum of that game nick for me the one that really stands out is that first drive of the second half because the bears did exactly what they needed to do and i know that trubisky's been mr third quarter but this is a game where it was only at the time 17 to 7 so it was only a 10 point game and if they found a way to get points in this drive you turned into a three score game and I don't know. I can probably count on both hands how many games the Bears had opportunities like that and didn't get the job done, but they're able to do it today with a seven-minute drive, kind of mimic what Dallas was able to do to begin this game, and of course extend that lead at the time to 24-7. to How about you? Is there any special drive that kind of sticks with you? You know what? I just want to add on to that drive that you were talking about because it looked like at times this was just going to be you know, your typical Bears drive where it's going to end in some kind of punt somewhere along this drive because when you look at it there's a couple of positive plays but then you take a Mitch Trubisky sack negative Mm -hmm. eight yards so you're at second and 18 then the next play is a Horstead reception for nine yards and then you get the big Patterson play but then you also look down on this drive there's also a the direct snap to Patterson they lose five Matt Nagy was furious on sideline seeing that so you see that now it seems like even if the Bears do are you know not ahead of the chains they could still somehow, some way, get that first down, keep the you know the offense on the field. Early on in the season, prior to you know now this this stretch of games that they've been winning, if there were any negative plays, even if it was you know just a minus one, the Bears were screwed. They were coming off the field. They were mm-hmm. punting. It seems like now this team has gone through this adversity and knows like, hey, just because we had negative yardage somewhere in this drive, that doesn't mean the the, the drive has to stop. That's what I'm also, you know, seeing as a, you know, a commonality in this Bears offense. Just down the stretch now, negative plays don't necessarily result in punts anymore. The Bears can battle through this. That's what good teams do. That's what good offenses do. And maybe, just maybe, will this offense is finally turning the corner. And against a, a good defense in Dallas, I think you can say that now. Absolutely. And they need to keep it up because they're going to be tested again in 10 days over up in Green Bay. But to see them fight through the adversity mid-drive, uh, a third and nine they converted. That was a defensive holding. But Allen Robinson was able to draw a few different penalties tonight. Uh, but still, you're able to go ahead. If you get a, th- a first down on third down off a penalty, I'm calling that a win in my book. And then again, Cordell Patterson with that big 33-yard pickup, that was third and nine. And Patterson took that one like a kick return. Uh, He took his time. He was able to weave through, run through some guys. We need some more of that. We don't need him running the Wildcat. We need him catching and receiving and doing things like that along the outside where he has a numbers game. He can make a few guys miss and then just sprint down the sideline with that speed that he has. But no, Nick, you're right. The Bears, and I think that's the theme for this entire game, and this one drives a really good microcosm of the Bears' ability to move on through mistakes, fight through, and don't let the mistakes define them tonight. But instead, they found a way to, you know, to beat them and fight, fight through that mistake and get better for it. And that's really uh, what we are very excited about. So, Nick, I'm babbling because I am thirsty and I left my water downstairs. So I want to talk about this running game. I'm going to mute and I have AirPods so I can hear you even though I'm going to walk a few rooms away. Unlike you, you don't get wireless because you can't make it work on your computer. But besides that, let's talk about this Bears running game. I'll listen, and I'll jump in in about 25 seconds. Yeah, well, so you go get your water, and my headphones just didn't work. I had the Pro Beats wireless. I don't know how I didn't connect them to my laptop here. But I think with David Montgomery, we've been seeing this all season. This is really weird talking to nobody. But Will's hearing me somewhere down getting his water. But Montgomery's always a guy that's going to fight for those yardage. And the one play where he does fumble, I honestly think, yeah, Bears bias here. Maybe that play should have been called dead on the fourth missed face mask call that the the refs missed all game. But I think what you saw from this Bears offense and the offensive line, when they needed to create running lanes, they did. And obviously, 
when that offensive line wasn't gelling, you saw the Bears take some negative plays or Montgomery not get many yards on you know any given situation. But that Bears offensive line, having a backup in Lucas on the right as the right tackle, did just enough to you know obviously spring some of these runbacks forward to gain some positive yardage. And you just gotta love how Montgomery. It doesn't matter how much space there is between a defender. More than likely, he's going to make that guy miss. And I absolutely love that about David Montgomery. I'm always jumping out of my seat seeing this guy just make a guy miss and gain that positive yardage. Again, he did have the fumble. And what is a little concerning is that he was in the blue tent what towards the end of the game. Hopefully it's nothing significant because that would be a huge blow to this offense if mm-hmm. Montgomery isn't able to go. Maybe it could be Cordero Patterson plus Cohen as the running backs on this roster because they really don't have much right now. I know Ryan Nall is a guy, but we'll we'll see what ends up happening and see the severity of that. Yeah, no, I mean, David Montgomery at the half, he was averaging six yards per carry. And the offensive line was doing a great job of giving him some room to work with. He wasn't contacted behind the line of scrimmage, which has been a very common theme throughout the entirety of the season. He was going four, five, six yards downfield before he was getting contacted. And with David Montgomery... He's not going to go down on that first defender. He's going to fight through. And, I mean, there's a couple of plays in uh, one drive. I think it was the third drive for this Bears. Uh, started off with two straight carries to David Montgomery, and both of them went for first downs. Both of them went to the left side. And it's just really awesome to see. When you can set the tone like that on offense, you come out there, you hand it to your running back, bam, first down. You hand it to him again, bam, first down. Then you can use that play action, suck up the defense, and Trubisky can take those shots. And then when Trubisky has the threat to run it himself, there's just so much for defense to worry about, to defend, and to what they need to kind of cover for. That's why the Bears were successful, because everything was clicking at all facets of this offense, firing on all cylinders. You got the tight ends involved. Receivers were active. Trubisky was running. David Montgomery was popping out. He averaged only 4.3 at the end of the game. That's because we're trying to milk it towards the end. And of course, Dallas was uh, taking care of business there. But still, everything six yards at the half, uh, great. And then the fumble... I'm not going to fault him too much on it. I mean, given it did allow Dallas to fight back and get into this a little bit more than I would like, but when he's out there fighting for those extra yards and he doesn't fumble a ton, it's not usually an issue with him. I'm not going to get too negative on that in this one. Anything else from the receivers you want to talk about? I'm going to say we're going to be remiss if we don't talk about Allen Robinson some more. Uh, Two fouls drawn in the second half alone, and his three catches in the first half went for a touchdown. The next one was a first down pickup, and then the next one again was another touchdown. He was Mr. Clutch tonight. Yeah, Allen Robinson's continuing to do what he's done all season. That's just make plays, regardless if it's drawing those pass interference calls or just being a reliable person that Mitch Trubisky can trust in the red zone because I don't know if there's a one I mean right now that's a connection that I wouldn't as an opposing defense you know it's coming you know Mitch is going to throw at Allen Robinson at some point in the game but can you stop it I know maybe I'm saying a little bit too much here because it's one game or a couple games from Trubisky but Mitch has been throwing Allen Robinson all season still teams are not finding ways to guard it and even though that is his guy but yeah, he's just a phenomenal wide receiver, and you can line him up in so many different spots. And I really like him when he works from the slot because, again, when you get those nickel corners, if they don't have a traveling uh, true cornerback on him, I like that matchup all day. So, yeah, he's just a phenomenal wide receiver. And, look, we had we also saw a little bit, and it's funny, his first reception in the game for Riley Ridley, his oh, shoe comes shoe? off. Yeah. He loses his shoe. So, it's like you have to have other guys step up. Hopefully, Javon Wims okay. I know you know Trubisky was targeting him a couple times down in the red zone, and he did get another one of those illegal block. And that one will, like, I don't know <laughs> how the refs call that. I don't know. None either, of the man. four, you know, face mask calls that they missed all game. But yeah, the receivers again, they they didn't put up the biggest numbers, but they did their job. We're there for Trubisky. You wish Anthony Miller makes that catch towards the end of the game that would have extended the drive a little bit more, taken more clock off. Uh, more time off the, the clock there. But, yeah, the receivers were there. They were open for Trubisky, and that's why he was able to hit him, especially those really risky tight throws that Trubisky was throwing. I know you tweeted during the game, Will, like, uh, I forgot, like, I can't believe you just made that, whatever it was, but I was thinking the same exact thing over here. It was having me hold my breath. That's same where way. I was at. But those were throws with conviction, and that's something about Mitch, and I know we talked about him a lot, but um, it's not many games this season we get to really hop on the Mitch hype train, so we're going to have to do it today. But 
I mean, just how he was throwing with conviction. He was really driving the ball into those tight windows. It was just really awesome to see. And I really liked his decision-making. And I think it's evident when you're looking at the box score. Uh, J.P. Holtz, uh, he was targeted three times, had three catches. Uh, Robinson had five catches on eight targets. Anthony Miller had three catches on four, which one of those was a drop. Well, the only one was a drop. Horst had a perfect four for four. Patterson a one for one. Cohen a six for six. O'Reilly Ridley, he's one for one. Javon Wims and David Montgomery are the only two receivers that didn't have a catch that were targeted. Uh, I'm believing that means that Wims has the target technically for that interception and then the two shots deep into the red zone, which really Wims had a chance at both of those. And I think he dropped the first one. Second one, I mean, the leg inch issue, uh, hopefully, like you said, not severe. But yeah, overall, Mitch was making great decisions and the guys are in the right position and they're picking up all the yards after catch and being in the right spot today. Everyone's in sync. And we've talked about it in the past too, where some of these playmakers, when they're running their routes, they're not running them correctly, not getting the correct depth, the correct spacing that was a non-issue tonight. They seem very focused. And for having two straight short weeks, for them to be as honed in as they were as a collective unit and on the same page is a very impressive because as you saw for Dallas after that first drive, it wasn't all pretty for them. And it could have been the same exact situation for us as well. Anything else on the offense today, Nick? I mean, offensive line, uh, only giving up the two sacks. I thought the Bears did a good job of, you know, they knew that pass rush that Dallas has, which has been pretty good all season, was coming in. Bears did a good job of uh, finding a way to mitigate that by moving the pocket, getting Mitch on the run, utilizing play action. And I thought for the most part, they held their own and did a pretty good job. And they did a really decent job getting some push in the running game as well, definitely more than we've seen for the most part of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So I think they, you know, they did enough today to spring an offense you know, help them score 31 points. But just one last thing on the offense. We were saying that maybe this offense need to run. They need to run, you know, more up tempo to maybe score points. They didn't really do much of that today. That wasn't the result. That's that wasn't the reason why they, you know, scored 31 points. Not to say that they shouldn't implement that, but it's nice to see that that's not the only way that this Bears offense can be efficient if they go up-tempo, no huddle. They did it at times, but it wasn't the reason that they had all this you know, efficient drives, these points. And that's great to see that this offense can score, whether it is long drives or in a quick turnaround or a short field. They're doing it in a variety of ways. And as an offense, you want to have, you know— those kind of options, you know, available to you. And as a play caller for Matt Nagy, because that only, again, maybe you can look more into that 202 offense, which I think maybe in, at times Matt Nagy was able to do that. But I think he also just simplified things for Mitch. And that's why you see him just being more effective. So, you know, great play calling by Matt Nagy. That's why your quarterback plays well. The offense, you know, blocks that extra maybe second for Montgomery to get, you know, spring forward. The receivers, like you said, there was a little bit of miscommunication just with um, Riley Ridley and Javon Wims just trying to know where they had the lineup at times. But I thought I, I other, thought I noticed that too. Yeah, but other than that, it looked like a clean game. Horstead had a couple of what false starts, but look, he's being sprung in there. Then that's at the end of the game. But for the most part, this was the most efficient, effective, and clean offense performance we've seen from the Bears all season. Yeah, Horstead, uh, Mitch Trubisky's hard count's getting so good, it's getting his own team uh, to jump off sides now. But that was another small facet that kind of worked from time to time in this game. The only other thing I want to mention, just the effort that we saw from everyone with the ball in our hands today, because you know David Montgomery was fighting. That Anthony Miller touchdown was pretty incredible, how he was able to fight through some guys, weave his way through, dive into the end zone. Cordero Patterson on that one yard after the catch as well that we mentioned. Just everyone that catch by Allen Robinson with like five Cowboys around him to hold on to that thing and take a hit. Everyone was under a game tonight, Nick. Everyone really was. And besides the interception, you can look at the fumble fine. But on top of that, I think everyone is really playing some of their best football this season. And I mean, 31 points against this Dallas team. That's not no easy task. And for the Bears to find a way to get it done is definitely a testament to their work ethic, I think, this week in practice as well, and just their dedication to getting better, like we mentioned, as well. One last thing, and I just want to kind of hit on this, and we can probably talk about it during uh, next week's show, but it does feel like everything's kind of clicking after they made that position switch back on the offensive line, too. Yeah, it really does, Cody. Why? I think someone pointed this out, but they have... Obviously, when Daniels was a center, you had an inexperienced, not an inexperienced, but a young guy next to Coward. Now you have Whitehair as more so the veteran 
uh, out of that group in between two young offensive linemen, Daniels and Coward. So now there's just, I guess, that veteran aspect because Cody Whitehair's done this at a high level for you know a good number of years now. But I think that has just brought a sense of calmness to the offensive line. We know where the blitz is coming from, and now you can see that Again, Mitch Trubisky's not ending up with a bunch of sacks, and this is a good front from the Dallas Cowboys, two sacks tonight. And Trubisky threw it 31 times. So there are opportunities for sure, but I think Trubisky and that offensive line just being on the same page is really helping this offense just be efficient. Efficient, effective, everything that we've been waiting for all season long for this Bears offense. Well done, well done by all of them over there, but let's go ahead and move forward and enter the third quarter of this postgame show. And let's take a look at that. Bears defense, and Nick, it didn't start out good at all. I thought we were going to be in for a pretty long night. 17 play drive to start the game, ended in a touchdown. Uh, The Cowboys converted on those four third downs, including two very long ones. The Bears didn't get any pressure on Dak. They had no resistance when it came to anything Dallas was wanting to do. What was going through your mind on that drive? Because for me, it was more, damn it, damn it, damn it. It's going to be a long night, and I'm, I'm fearful. So what I knew that Dallas was going to be able to move the ball, but I just that drive just lasted forever. Was it seventeen? Did you say seventeen plays? Is that is that so. what it was? And well, I think they I'll said on the broadcast, check, if, if that's the yeah, case, they said on the broadcast plays. was the longest drive this season. So it just lasted forever. And on that drive, I I noticed that Duke Shelley was in the game for Buster Screen. So I'm like. What's going on here? And then I found out I think there was an injury. Then we also find out at the end of this drive, and this is where I started to worry, Roquan Smith was injured on the touchdown run by Ezekiel Elliott. So now you have, it's going to be Nick Krakowski, and I think a guy that we're definitely going to talk about a lot here, Kevin Pierre-Lewis as the inside linebacker. So Nick Krakowski's had to be the guy that really is calling the plays and making sure everyone's in sync. But, I mean, yeah, once that drive happened, and it was just effortless for this Dallas Cowboys offense. You know, the Bears defense is picking up where they left off last week in Detroit, giving up a touchdown the first drive. But then, of course, as we all know, they really hunkered down and were able to figure out, I guess, this Dallas offense. Yeah, they really were. And I just want to kind of talk about this Roquan Smith situation because a peck injury, we don't know how severe it is, but when you go immediately to the locker room and you get that thing checked out and you're immediately ruled out, that just gives me a gut feeling where it could be something where he would potentially miss some time. We saw Kevin Pierre-Lewis jump in and play a very strong game today. Not only was he able to, you know, playing all over, he was really bringing that extra element of uh, bringing in pressure, whether it be inside blitzes, whether it be coming off the edge. And Nick, these are things that we saw in training camp. These are things that we saw in preseason and he kind of, you know, he earned that roster spot, and he's been kind of waiting in the wings, and maybe not waiting in the wings. He's he's a backup, but he's just, you know, back there, and we can't forget about him. And I think we kind of saw tonight that the skills we saw in training camp, the skills we saw throughout some of those preseason games, that can be transferable to what's here in the regular season. Do you think that Kevin Pierre Lewis, if he is thrust into more extended time this season, can kind of keep up this level of play, or is that him just kind of going out there playing extinctually just because he's thrust into a unfamiliar spot? You know what? I think it could be a little bit of both here, but Kevin Pierre Lewis, he's been in the league for a while now. He knows his responsibilities and probably also his limitations. Let's be realistic. He is a backup for a reason, but what he was able to do, he just seemed like no matter what the play was, he was in the right spot. There were times where he had to be in coverage, and Ezekiel Elliott's the receiver. He's right there. He knows where he needs to be. He knows his responsibilities in Chuck Pagano's defense, and I think when you have a veteran guy come in, it's better than having maybe just an inexperienced – obviously, it's better than having like an inexperienced rookie who has upside. You might as well just take like the, I guess, the stagnant kind of veteran guy that you can bring in a Kevin Pierre-Lewis. So – I wasn't really too surprised that, I guess, he was able to just do his job. And that's all I think at this point. We don't want anybody who's coming in doing more than that because that's where you see big plays happen when you're taking maybe a risk that you shouldn't. But I think it is nice to have a guy like that. Obviously, we would all love to see Roquan Smith, but pectoral injury. I'm trying to remember who or what player had a pectoral injury. It's some someone. Is that what it was? It might be Jerome Freeman. He had a Freeman. few different things going on, yeah. but I thought it might have been Freeman. 
so I looked up like pictorial injury bears to see what came up. Obviously, it's all Roquan Smith right now, but that that sounds familiar. Where it, whoever it was or whatever the injury was, I think it was pectoral. Um, it was able to keep that player out for the entire season. So hopefully it was, it was Jarrell Freeman. So hopefully that's not the case for Roquan. The Bears already down Danny Trevathan. But the interesting thing is he was never put on IR. Danny Trevathan was never put on IR. But we don't know the timetable of his you know status. But that would be huge if Roquan Smith has to miss some extended time. It would. I think I would take a healthy Kevin Pierre-Lewis over a 70% Danny Trevathan. Yeah, I think so, too. The, what he showed tonight against a good, stout Dallas offensive line and obviously the, a good running back in Ezekiel Elliott, I'd take that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to kind of get into more of this game specific. You said it. Uh, after that 17, gosh, even saying that number again just freaks me out. That 17-play drive to start the game, they bunkered down. They responded with back-to-back three and outs. They didn't allow a single third-down conversion until pretty much garbage time in this game. Did you see any adjustments that were made from Chuck Pagano here? Because I thought it was more sending some extra pressure, disguising where the pressure was coming from, and utilizing run blitzes with guys coming off the edge to kind of slow down Ezekiel Elliott. That's the, some things I think I noticed. Uh, again, I'm not a defensive expert by by any means. I'm a football fan. I'm a Bears fan just like you. But Nick, I know you watch more film than I. Did you say anything out there that kind of caught your eye? You know, nothing big from Chuck Pagano. I think the biggest thing is that, and ironic that I'm going to say is because Dak Prescott coming to this game led the league in passing yards. I think they just kind of wanted him to play QB. To be completely honest. And I think what that allowed the Bears defense to do is whenever Dak was thinking maybe checking it down. You had guys that were just flowing to the ball, and there was a couple times where Kyle Fuller's jumping routes. There are a couple guys that are jumping routes for Dak, and I think that was the game plan going in. And, you know, that sounds kind of crazy because he's putting up great numbers and having a pretty good season. But the other side of Dak is that he will make that turnover. He will throw that interception. So I think that's really what Chuck Pagano wanted to do. And, look, after that 17-play yard, you know, touchdown drive, Three and out, three and out. It's just like this defense figured out what the Dallas Cowboys wanted to do. It starts with running with Ezekiel Elliott when you bring those run blitzes where, you know, even a buster screen's coming down or even having your safety just creep up. That's huge for stopping the run. And again, starts up front for those guys up in the middle and those two inside linebackers for the Bears just making life difficult for this Cowboys offense. It's crazy how deep that position is. Like it blows my mind. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we know that teams, when they lose maybe their starting guy, they're just not the same. But, like, the Bears, they just have been having guys step up all season, regardless of position, really. And it's been great to see, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. And when I'm looking at this defense, uh, at least in the first half, and actually I would believe the vast majority of this game, because I'm going through my notes, nothing else kind of pops in my notes on defense. And that's a great thing. When I don't have any notes on defense, uh, unless it's turnovers, I love to have notes about the Bears generating turnovers, but it's just like three and out, another three and out, three and out. That just means everyone's doing their job and nothing's flashy. Nothing's overly complicated here. Just as a unit playing sound, getting pressure, forcing Dak to make throws. The coverage is in a great spot, so they're not easy throws to make. And we're getting the job done. There a handful of times today where Dak just had to throw it away or throw it up because the defense was barreling down on him. Uh, the only two plays I have here in my notes is, uh, and they're both on the same drive and they're almost back-to-back. There's a couple plays in between, but uh, a drive got started with a 15-yard pass to Cooper, and then just a couple plays later, uh, Ezekiel Elliott had that 31-yard run, got them into Bears territory. But afterwards, the Bears kind of stifled up, forced that field goal attempt, was missed. And then after that, I believe they allowed, in that second half by itself, 12 yards on the other nine plays that weren't that opening drive, which just is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another guy just kind of moving to guys that have filled in, Kevin Tolliver, up until maybe the last couple drives, garbage time where you're seeing the Dallas Cowboys that, you know, actually move the ball. He did a phenomenal job. And the Cowboys, for some reason, did not target him really early on in the game, which, again, I think that's why the Cowboys are a 6-7 and seven football team and have been losing on a losing streak now. Kevin Tolliver had a tall task with Gallup. You know, Cooper, all the weapons that the the Dallas Cowboys have. But for a guy who hasn't seen a lot of playing time, 
Obviously, now his second year with the Bears, I was impressed with what he did. I know he gave up the touchdown late and some of those yards towards the end of the game, but I liked what I saw from Kevin Tolliver and even like a Duke Shelley coming into the game, getting on a couple of runs on Ezekiel. It's nice to see those secondary players that you don't see very often coming in, playing in a big game, Thursday night game, and just playing, you know, how how they should, how you expect them to being guys that are behind some pretty good players themselves. Yeah, let's go back to one guy that we talked about a lot, though, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, KPL. We talked about him getting in there, generating pressure, making good tackles, being really good against the run. But, Nick, he was pretty solid in coverage, too. He had two passes defended in this one as well. So he's someone who can play coverage. He can rush the quarterback. He is a very versatile linebacker. And, again, I hope it's not a one-game wonder. And a lot of it did feel like what we saw early on in this season, before the year even began. That's why I'm hopeful that it's something that is going to be consistent with him if he does need to play extended time here in his place. Uh, But someone else I kind of want to look at here, too, uh, Nick Wachowski. Uh, He did finish with 10 total tackles, which led the team. I thought he played very well. There's just one area of his game, and it's in cover. And I know we don't need a gripe on it. We know it's a weakness, but I'm starting to notice that teams have kind of caught up on is that if you can get him one-on-one on a tight end, a receiver, I never want him on a receiver, by the way, or a running back, and you have uh, receivers on that side of the field running across the field, so getting a little bit of traffic in his way. With his slowness and his lack of quickness, he's a little behind, and he's really he finds it difficult to fight through that traffic, and it allows for some wide-open passing lanes along the perimeter, in the flat, and that's just one area of the game where I hope that they can find a way to avoid because I can see Green Bay just eating that up because they do a lot what you said Nagy does. They find the weakness, and they just go after it. So this is one small thing I wanted to mention. What about Kyle Fuller? What was your take on his game today? You know, I think uh, there are times where I thought Kyle Fuller should make this interception. I know it's a tough one, but he is an all-pro corner, and he's having uh, coming off that season that he had in 2018. And there's been a couple times where I, I think he still do. He hasn't had an interception now, I think, since the Chargers game, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even be before that. But um, it's it's about time that Kyle Fuller starts making those impact. Not that he had a bad game. I think he had a solid game. Look, when you are able to hold this Cowboys – defense our Cowboys defense Cowboys off 24 points a lot of that in garbage time now but you look at some of the receivers for you know Dallas Cowboys Michael Gallup yes he did have a six percent 109 yards garbage time coop finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the Ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed get your best sleep all night every night for a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Was injured, but he only had 83 yards. So it's like this was a top offensive team coming into this game, and the Bears just really shut him out for the majority of, you know, three, three quarters here. But, I, yeah, I was fine with Kyle Fuller's game. I like to see him finish and make those inter- you know when he has that opportunity to make an interception because he just has a great feel for when to break on a route and just be in the right place right time. Now he just has to finish the play. Yeah. Uh, one big picture item. I want to go back. I just want to thank the offense because their ability to extend that lead as much as they did and the Bears on defense stacking up a few three and outs real quick. That was the perfect recipe to get Ezekiel Elliott as out of the game plan as you possibly can. As Dallas had to fight back and try to air this ball out a little bit more. And if they, because early on they were committed to on that first drive, it was Elliott, 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 just going after it. And once the Bears were able to go up by two scores, go up by three scores, they had to settle for passing and they would try a run and it would get a couple of yards, but then they had to ditch it and go right back through and try to push that ball through the air. So the offense really did the defense a big favor by putting up some points here as well. Uh, Going through my notes, I don't have too much more. Again, it was a game where everyone did their job on defense, which is an amazing thing to have. It wasn't really overly flashy by anyone besides uh, KPL. Kalimak had that sack finally. Defense line was able to get some different pressure uh, after that first drive as well. But is there any player person well I guess players would be people uh different plays different drives different moments that you want to kind of talk about um so defensively I know obviously maybe we don't have as much to talk about but I think I'm starting to see flashes of the Bilal Nichols that was 
you know, in 2018 before mm-hmm. he sustained his injury, like just getting his hand up to deflect the pass. Like that's what you want to see from a defensive lineman when you can't get to the quarterback or when your main priorities, you know, containment or just filling gaps. See if you can get your hand up to deflect the pass. There was a big one that would have gone for a first down that Dak was looking at Jason Witten. But I think that's a play where Bilal Nichols puts his hand up, deflects a pass. The the Cowboys are forced to, you know, punt there. So some of those plays that may be overlooked are key ones in the game. And so I that's what I want to continue seeing without an Akeem Hicks, who hopefully will will be back next week for Green Bay. You want to see some of those younger guys step up. And yes, they didn't. I what I'm trying to look here. I don't know what the sack numbers were for the Bears or what they had on them. Uh, obviously, they didn't get to the quarterback too often. They had looking here. We had, we had two sacks two. tonight, and then on top of that, overall, I think one extra quarterback hit. So yeah, they didn't really get to deck all that much, and he did pass the ball a lot, but they did their job. They Ezekiel Elliott didn't really get going in this game. They only moved the ball in the fourth quarter. So that's what you want to see from this defense. The only thing. We need to see turnovers. I think this is. I think Dak was a guy that you could have, you know, had a couple on, especially with all the opportunities that he had to throw. And let's be realistic: pressure wasn't all there too often this game as well. They have a good offensive line, but let's see what happens now that hopefully Akeem Hicks is coming back next week. That may just amp up, fire up this Bears defense yeah. to really want to get after this, the opposing quarterbacks. Oh, I can't imagine what kind of energy that that defensive front's going to have once they get Akeem Hicks back. I mean, he is the heart and soul up there. He is the energy. He's the man, really. If you want to put it bluntly, he is the man. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And I think he's just going to elevate the play. And, you know, a lot of Khalil Mack, and not his struggles, but his lack of poppingness is how I'm going to put it, has gone ever since Akeem went down. So you bring oh, yeah. Akeem back, I mean, you never know. That'd be the perfect recipe for the end of the season. You get Akeem back, which unlocks Khalil Mack for your final three. Oh, man. It's going to be an interesting end of this season. In turnovers, I think, like you said, the Bears need to find a way to get it done. I can count three or four different plays where I thought they should have had one today, whether it's Kyle Fuller breaking on that ball, whether it's uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis knocking the ball up and Kevin Tolliver. He had an opportunity, but for some reason, I think he forgot he could move his feet. He's just right? Like, I would say the same thing <laughs> on that play. I thought maybe he was like near the sideline or something, but he's just his feet were stuck in cement. He's like a statue. And he's like, oh. yeah. yeah. I was like, what are you doing? You can move. Move your feet. One step, you have that interception. Probably just, I mean, it would have been his first career one. He's played four snaps before entering this game. I'm sure to the moment, he's like, oh, I can get that. And his whole body just froze. Just froze, and... yep. <laughs> Absolutely. But let's go ahead and let's move forward here two special teams and it's now the fourth quarter of this post-game show of course eddie pinero he did what he needed to do today one for one in field goals a perfect four for four on extra points but i think i want to actually shout out pat o'donnell for this second half because he had four punts all of which came in the second half none of which were returned and all four were downed inside the 20 so that's a great way to keep pinning Dallas back, keep pinning your opponent back. So I thought that Pat O'Donnell, um, A, I'm glad he only had four punts today. I'm glad they all came in the second half of this game. But B, when he had those opportunities to pin them deep, uh, I would say that's a caveat of the offense as well, being deep in Dallas territory or getting close to midfield before some of these punts. But overall, I thought Bears special teams wasn't really hashtag Bears special teams today, right? No, it was not, but I'm pretty sure that the Cowboys can make that same exact hashtag because Brett Maher is a is just a Achilles heel for that Cowboy. There's a lot of a lot of Achilles heels, I guess, for the for the the Cowboys. But really, what the Bears are able to do because of that missed field goal, they took that that field position and turned that into a touchdown. And the Bears went on a 14 play drive, you know, after that missed field goal from the Cowboys. So that was huge and just kind of really shifting the momentum in all the Bears' favor. So, again, thank you, Brett Maher, for being bad at your job because that allowed the Bears to, you know, really take advantage of that and get a touchdown. Yeah. Anything else on the third phase that you want to mention? It was uh, is I like it when we don't have a lot of blunders to talk about. Yeah, though. So I think, uh, again, I have to go back and watch the three Cohen punts the the returns but i know brandon actually um mentioned me on twitter he's like oh i bet nick was a fan of that punt return i can't really remember which one it was maybe i'll just in the moment enjoying the bears you know victory as it was happening but yeah i'll have to go back and watch that but as of right now i'm not gonna say anything the bears special teams did their job and you know that's 
not usually the case most weeks. I mean, he averaged 8.3 yards per return tonight. Okay. That's that's a step forward. At least he's going forward and not east to west. I mean, again, he found his I compass. I send it in the mail. I put it to Hallis Hall. I made sure I address it to Tariq Cohen. I gave him a digital one. I gave him an analog one. Made sure to you know have north in a nice color so he can see it. So it stood out. I think it worked. I really do. But let's go ahead, Nick. Let's jump into our two-minute warning. This is where we kind of wrap up our thoughts on this game and look forward to next week and really uh, the next three weeks. It's a Well, let's not look forward to all three weeks. It's a week-by-week kind of end of the season that we have here. So, Nick, kind of take it away. Yeah, so the Bears are 7-6, you guys. They are in the hunt right now. Obviously, they've been in the hunt for a while now, but this was a great team victory, and it's so much better because number 10 balled out. Absolutely. When he needed to make throws, he did. When he needed to find that target to extend the chain, to keep the drive alive, he did, whether it was with his arm or with his legs. And that's exactly what you wanted to see from a guy that, you know, coming into the season, a lot of hype, a lot of expectations. That didn't happen. But tonight it did, and he kind of changed the narrative a little bit on what his future could be with the Bears. And I think when you take this win and what they were able to do offensively against a good defensive team, you build off this. Now it's, what, maybe a stretch of four to five games where this offense has looked better, and now the points are coming with it. It's not just the yards, maybe the certain drives. Now the dri- now the points are there. That's huge for this Bears team. You bring back an emotional leader like Akeem Hicks into Green Bay, I bet you Aaron Rodgers is just thinking to himself, what the hell? Why is it always me that gets has to you know get this Bears team when they're confident, full strength? Because the Bears, they obviously need this victory next weekend. And it's, it's win or go home, essentially. Think of this as the playoffs for the Bears. If they do their job, and like you said, Will, they have to take it week by week, but there's a lot of momentum going to Green Bay next week, bringing in Akeem Hicks, an offense that is able to produce a defense that, you know, I think still it's going to get better. It needs to get better for his team to make this this run. But they're in a good spot. We're talking about meaningful football in December. You don't always get to do that, especially with all the Bears seasons that we've had prior to 2018. So be excited. Enjoy this while it lasts because you don't know when it's going to end. Great victory to come out and just smack the Cowboys. I love seeing Jason Garrett just be miserable on the sidelines. I'm sorry. It was kind of like hilarious. He aged about 20 years from pregame to <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. It was awesome to see, but I'm going to end it there. Enjoy this run that the Bears are currently on because, like I said, you don't know when it's going to end, and it's going to be a hell of a game in Green Bay next Sunday. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And like you said, Nick, this was a great game. I mentioned it earlier. This is the best I felt on a postgame show all season long. This is the most confident I felt in this team, the most proud I've been of this team because they were undermanned on defense. They found a way to get it done. They had a very tough task on offense going up against this Dallas defense, and they found consistent results all game along. And this is a game where they needed to win in order to kind of keep that season alive. And Nick, I told, I mean, we've talked about it. This is a team that proves that they want to continue to fight to live another day, whether it's in game, like we talked about here, or macro season, when you're looking at per week by week, this is a week you win, you're still not in, but you can still earn that spot here in the playoffs. And things early, they look very bleak after that long drive, the interception, but they turned it around after they never gave up. Same thing after the fumble, Mitch responds with that great drive, that awesome touchdown run to of his own as well. The Bears, Nick, they've won three games in 11 days. And now we have a nice 10-day break until the Packers. And one hand, I almost kind of hate to stop the momentum. <laughs> I wish we could play them this Sunday. Screw it. Let's go. We're riding this high. But let's go ahead. Let's get rested. There are a couple of injuries. We need to figure out what's, you know, David Montgomery with that leg. I'm praying that it's a minor, minor injury because we really need him to be healthy. Let's see about Roquan. Let's see about some of these other guys. Let's get Akeem Hicks back. Let's get going. We win here. We beat Green Bay. We're still, we're not in the driver's seat, but maybe we go out of the back seat and we start getting into the passenger seat and we look over to the Vikings and say, you're next. And we can take them down, figure things out, and earn our way into the playoffs here. So first things first, we need to go up to Green Bay and take care of business because I still have a very, very sour taste in my mouth from week one that I'm itching to get rid of. And it all starts here in 10 days. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Chicago Audible. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the show, whether you're here on YouTube, 
Facebook Live, Periscope, or if you're amongst the thousands of global listeners of this podcast, we really do appreciate each and every one of you. And if you appreciate us, remember to leave your review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. If you want to join us at a Bears game, the next home game, Bears-Chiefs, another game under the lights. If you, I mean, you watch the game like tonight, I would want to go too. We're 12 rows from the field, cost you $5 to enter our raffle, and you can get a free, well, not almost a free Bears ticket. Pretty, I mean, I would take $5. I would call that free for a Bears ticket. You can join Nick and I at that Bears-Chiefs game. Again, 12 rows from the field. And on top of that, I just want to say thank you. I know that it's late. I know you're excited. I'm going to have a hard time sleeping tonight. But really, really thank you for joining out. And again, for that raffle, chicagoaudible.com slash raffle. Enter that thing. We're picking a winner one week from tonight. So on December 12th, we'll be picking the winner. And you'll know if you get to join Nick and I at that Bears game. But again, Bears speeds the Cowboys 31-24. Mitch Trubisky and company take care of business. Defense steps up despite all the injuries on that side of the ball. And Nick and I, I don't think we could be any happier than we are right now, Nick. Happy 25th birthday to you again, sir. I know this is a great way to start this 26th cycle around the sun as the Bears take care of business. But that's going to do it. We'll be back here in about a, well, about five days, less than a week, and then we'll start preparing for next week's game against the Packers. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.